Chapter 66 of Pushing to the Front by Horizon Sweat Martin. This recording is in the public domain. Recording by Luke Sartor. Chapter 66 Rich Without Money. Let others plead for pensions. I can be rich without money by endeavoring to be superior to everything poor. I would have my services to my country unstained by any interested motive. Lord Collingwood I ought not to allow any man, because he has broad lands, to feel that he is rich in my presence. I ought to make him feel that I can do without his riches, that I cannot be bought, neither by comfort, neither by pride, and although I be utterly penniless, and receiving bread from him, that he is the poor man beside me. Emerson He is richest, who is content with the least, for content is the wealth of nature. Socrates My crown is in my heart, not on my head, nor decked with diamonds, and Indian stones, nor to be seen, my crown is called content. A crown it is that seldom kings enjoy. Shakespeare Many a man is rich without money. Thousands of men with nothing in their pockets are rich. A man born with a good, sound constitution, a good stomach, a good heart and good limbs, and a pretty good headpiece is rich. Good bones are better than gold, tough muscles than silver, and nerves that carry energy to every function are better than houses and land. Heart life, soul life, hope, joy, and love are true riches, said Beecher. Why should I scramble and struggle to get possession of a little portion of this earth? This is my world now. Why should I envy others? It's mere legal possession. It belongs to him who can see it, enjoy it. I need not envy the so-called owners of estates in Boston or New York. They are merely taking care of my property and keeping it in excellent condition for me. For a few pennies for railroad fare, Whenever I wish, I can see and possess the best of it all. It has cost me no effort. It gives me no care. Yet the green grass, the shrubbery, and the statues on the lawns, the finer sculptures and the paintings within, are always ready for me whenever I feel a desire to look upon them. I do not wish to carry them home with me for I could not give them half the care they now receive. Besides, it would take too much of my valuable time, and I should be worrying continually, lest they be spoiled or stolen. I have much of the wealth of the world now. It is all prepared for me, without any pains on my part. All around me are working hard to get things that will please me, and competing to see who can give them the cheapest. 
the little that I pay for the use of libraries, railroads, galleries, parks, is less than it would cost to care for the least of all I use. Life and landscape are mine. The stars and flowers, the sea and air, the birds and trees. What more do I want? All the ages have been working for me. All mankind are my servants. I am only required to feed and clothe myself. An easy task in this land of opportunity. A millionaire pays a big fortune for a gallery of paintings, and some poor boy or girl comes in with open mind and poetic fancy and carries away a treasure of beauty which the owner never saw. A collector bought at public auction in London for 157 guineas an autograph of Shakespeare, but for nothing a schoolboy can read and absorb the riches of Hamlet. Want is a growing giant whom the coat of have was never large enough to cover. A man may as soon fill a chest with grace or a vessel with virtue, says Phillips Brooks, as a heart with wealth. Shall we seek happiness through the sense of taste or of touch? Shall we idolize our stomachs and our backs? Have we no higher missions, no nobler destinies? Shall we disgrace the fair day by a pusillanimous preference of our bread to our freedom? What does your money say to you? What message does it bring to you? Does it say to you, Eat, drink, and be merry, for tomorrow we die? Does it bring a message of comfort, of education, of culture, of travel, of books, of an opportunity to help your fellow men? Or is the message, More land, more thousands and millions? What message does it bring you? Clothes are for the naked, bread for the starving, schools for the ignorant, hospitals for the sick, asylums for the orphans, or of more for yourself and none for others. Is it a mere message of generosity or of meanness, breadth or narrowness? Does it speak to you of character? Does it mean a broader manhood, a larger aim? a nobler ambition, or does it cry, more, more, more? Are you an animal loaded with ingots, or a man filled with a purpose? He is rich whose mind is rich, whose thought enriches the intellect of the world. A sailor on a sinking vessel in the Caribbean Sea eagerly filled his pockets with Spanish dollars from a barrel on board, while his companions, about to leave in the only boat, begged him to seek safety with them. But he could not leave the bright metal which he had so longed for and idolized, and when the vessel went down, he was prevented by his very riches from reaching shore. Who is the richest of men? 
asked Socrates. He who is content with the least, for contentment is nature's riches. In Moore's Utopia, gold was despised. Criminals were forced to wear heavy chains of it and to have rings of it in their ears. It was put to the vilest uses to keep up the scorn of it. Bad characters were compelled to wear gold headbands. Diamonds and pearls were used to decorate infants, so that the youth would discard and despise them. Ah, if the rich were as rich as the poor fancy riches, exclaims Emerson. In excavating Pompeii, a skeleton was found with the fingers clenched around a quantity of gold. A man of business in the town of Hull, England, when dying, pulled a bag of money from under his pillow, which he held between his clenched fingers with a grasp so firm as scarcely to relax under the agonies of death. Oh, blind and wanting wit to choose, who house the chaff and burn the grain, who hug the wealth ye cannot use, and lack the riches all may gain. Poverty is the want of much, avarice the want of everything. A poor man, while scoffing at the wealthy for not enjoying themselves, was met by a stranger who gave him a purse, in which he was always to find a ducat. As fast as he took one out, another was to drop in, but he was not to begin to spend his fortune until he had thrown away the purse. He took ducat after ducat out, but continually procrastinated and put off the hour of enjoyment until he had got a little more and died at last, counting his millions. A beggar was once met by fortune, who promised to fill his wallet with gold, as much as he might desire, on condition that whatever touched the ground should turn at once to dust. The beggar opened his wallet, asked for more and yet more, until the bag burst, the gold fell to the ground, and all was lost. When the steamer, Central America, was about to sink, the stewardess, having collected all the gold she could from the state rooms and tied it in her apron, jumped for the last boat leaving the steamer. She missed her aim, fell into the water, and the gold carried her down head first. Franklin said, money never made a man happy yet. There is nothing in its nature to produce happiness. The more a man has, the more he wants. Instead of filling a vacuum, it makes one. A great bank account can never make a man rich. It is the mind that makes the body rich. No man is rich however much money or land he may possess, who has a poor heart. If that is poor, he is poor indeed, though he own and rule kingdoms. He is rich or poor according to what he is, not according to what he has. 
some men are rich in health, in constant cheerfulness, in a mercurial temperament, which floats them over troubles and trials enough to sink a shipload of ordinary men. Others are rich in disposition, family, and friends. There are some men so amiable that everybody loves them, so cheerful that they carry an atmosphere of jollity about them. The human body is packed full of marvellous devices, of wonderful contrivances, of infinite possibilities for the happiness and enrichment of the individual. No physiologist, inventor, nor scientist has ever been able to point out a single improvement, even in the minutest detail, in the mechanism of the human body. No chemist has ever been able to suggest a superior combination in any one of the elements which make up the human structure. One of the first great lessons of life is to learn the true estimate of values. As the youth starts out in his career, all sorts of wares will be imposed upon him, and all kinds of temptations will be used to induce him to buy. His success will depend very largely upon his ability to estimate properly, not the apparent, but the real value of everything presented to him. Vulgar wealth will flaunt her banner before his eyes and claim supremacy over everything else. A thousand different schemes will be thrust into his face with their claims for superiority. Every occupation and vocation will present its charms and offer its inducements in turn. The youth who would succeed must not allow himself to be deceived by appearance, but must place the emphasis of life upon the right thing. Raphael was rich without money. All doors opened to him, and he was more than welcome everywhere. His sweet spirit radiated sunshine wherever he went. Henry Wilson, the sworn friend of the oppressed, whose one question as to measures or acts was ever, Is it right? Will it do good? Was rich without money. So scrupulous had this natick cobbler been not to make his exalted position a means of worldly gain, that when he came to be inaugurated as vice-president of the country, he was obliged to borrow of his fellow senator, Charles Sumner, one hundred dollars to meet the necessary expenses of the occasion. Mozart, the great composer of the Requiem, left barely enough money to bury him, but he has made the world richer. A rich mind and noble spirit will cast over the humblest home a radiance of beauty which the upholsterer and decorator can never approach. Who would not prefer to be a millionaire of character, of contentment, rather than possess nothing but the vulgar coins of a Croesus. Whoever uplifts civilization, 
though he die penniless, is rich, and future generations will erect his monument. An Asiatic traveller tells us that one day he found the bodies of two men laid upon the desert sand beside the carcass of a camel. They had evidently died from thirst, and yet around the waist of each was a large store of jewels of different kinds, which they had doubtless been crossing the desert to sell in the markets of Persia. The man who has no money is poor, but one who has nothing but money is poorer. He only is rich who can enjoy without owning. He is poor who, though he have millions, is covetous. There are riches of intellect, and no man with an intellectual taste can be called poor. He is rich as well as brave, who can face compulsory poverty and misfortune with cheerfulness and courage. We can so educate the willpower that it will focus the thoughts upon the bright side of things and upon objects which elevate the soul, thus forming a habit of happiness and goodness which will make us rich. The habit of making the best of everything and of always looking on the bright side is a fortune in itself. He is rich who values a good name above gold. Among the ancient Greeks and Romans, honor was more sought after than wealth. Rome was imperial Rome no more when the imperial purple became an article of traffic. Diogenes was captured by pirates and sold as a slave. His purchasers released him, giving him charge of his household and of the education of his children. Diogenes despised wealth and affectation and lived in a tub. Do you want anything? asked Alexander the Great, greatly impressed by the abounding cheerfulness of the philosopher under such circumstances. Yes, replied Diogenes. I want you to stand out of my sunshine and not take from me what you cannot give me. Were I not Alexander, exclaimed the great conqueror, I would be Diogenes. Do you know, sir, said a devotee of Mammon to John Bright, that I am worth a million sterling? Yes, said the irritated but calm-spirited respondent. I do, and I know that it is all you are worth. What power can poverty have over a home where loving hearts are beating with a consciousness of untold riches of the head and heart? St. Paul was never so great as when he occupied a prison cell under the streets of Rome, and Jesus Christ reached the height of his success when, smitten, spat upon, tormented, and crucified, he cried in agony, and yet with triumphant satisfaction, It is finished. Don't start out in life with a false standard. 
a truly great man makes official position and money and houses and estates look so tawdry so mean and poor that we feel like sinking out of sight with our cheap laurels and our gold one of the great lessons to teach in this century of sharp competition and the survival of the fittest is how to be rich without money and to learn how to live without success according to the popular standard in the poem the changed cross a weary woman is represented as dreaming that she was led to a place where many crosses lay crosses of diverse shapes and sizes the most beautiful one was set in jewels of gold it was so tiny and exquisite that she changed her own plain cross for it thinking she was fortunate in finding one so much lighter and lovelier but soon her back began to ache under the glittering burden and she changed it for another very beautiful and entwined with flowers but she soon found that underneath the flowers were piercing thorns which tore her flesh at last she came to a very plain cross without jewels without carving and with only the word love inscribed upon it she took this one up and it proved the easiest and best of all she was amazed however to find that it was her old cross which she had discarded it is easy to see the jewels and the flowers in other people's crosses but the thorns and heavy weight are known only to the bearers how easy other people's burdens seem to us compared with our own we do not realize the secret burdens which almost crush the heart nor the years of weary waiting for delayed success the aching hearts longing for sympathy the hidden poverty the suppressed emotion in others lives william pitt the great commoner considered money as dirt beneath his feet compared with the public interest and public esteem his hands were clean the object for which we strive tells the story of our lives men and women should be judged by the happiness they create in those around them noble deeds always enrich but millions of mere dollars may impoverish character is perpetual wealth and by the side of him who possesses it the millionaire who has it not seems a pauper invest in yourself and you will never be poor floods cannot carry your wealth away fire cannot burn it rust cannot consume it if a man empties his purse into his head says franklin no man can take it from him an investment in knowledge always pays the best interest 
However it be, it seems to me, Tis only noble to be good. Kind hearts are more than coronets, And simple faith than Norman blood. Tennyson End of chapter 66 Rich Without Money End of book Pushing to the Front by Horizon Sweat Martin Recording by Luke Sartor Brisbane, Queensland